This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to part two of today's podcast for the news that we have to cover. Market's still in a little bit of a turmoil right now, it seems like, across the board. Wall Street is still freaking out about Friday a little bit. Maybe not as much, though. But it seems like at the end of the day, when tomorrow's report comes out, depending on the numbers, could determine how Friday's going to play out. I don't think Friday's going to be a good day in general right now, to be honest. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. But, I mean, we'll find out tomorrow as the news comes and breaks at this time. And the other thing, too, is that apparently there's some companies reporting earnings after today, too. So that could also affect Friday as well. Some news that we'll cover in this segment of this podcast today, of this of our two-part series today. Fox CEO Murdoch to face questioning as part of Dominion voting $1.6 billion lawsuit in the making. And what does that mean for Fox going forward? Then we got some more news from Elon, both from the Tesla side and also from his other company called... Neuralink. Okay. And we'll get a little bit into more details on that. For once, we're going to be talking about Elon and it doesn't have to do with Twitter at this time. And we got some news from Meta. Meta is apparently beginning the layoffs with downsizing in New York. So we'll get cover that a little bit more going forward. And the last thing we'll talk about in today's podcast is how there is a chance by 2030 that India could be the third largest economy in the world. What does that mean for the United States and China going forward? So with that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I legally cannot give you any financial advice as I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. You need to do your own research before investing or go talk to your professional advisor about your financial situation as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. Please also note too that this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and it's not for any financial advice in any way, shape, or form. We are here to report the news as much as we can, because sometimes Wall Street can't do it. So with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Fox CEO Murdoch to face questioning as part of Dominion voting $1.6 billion lawsuit. From CNBC, Fox Corp CEO Murdoch is slated to appear for a deposition on Monday as the as Dominion Voting Systems defamation lawsuit against the company and its cable network moves forward. Dominion's lawsuit against Fox, which is seeking $1.6 billion in damages, has argued Fox News and Fox Business made false claims its voting machines rigged the results of the 2020 election between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Fox personalities, including Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and Gian Piero, were, were deposed earlier this year. Murdoch will be the highest ranking executive to be questioned so far. A Fox Corp spokesman declined to comment on Thursday. In June, a Delaware judge overseeing the case has reportedly ruled the Dominion lawsuit could be expanded beyond the cable TV news network to include their parent company, meaning Fox Corp chairs, and Leachland's father, Rupert Murdoch, could also be disposed. 
Dominion has argued that the parent company and its top brass played a role in Fox host in spreading misinformation about voter fraud. Requests to dismiss the case has been denied. Neither side has shown signs of entering settlement talks, although that could change before the trial is expected to start in April. CNBC previously reported Fox has vigorously denied the claims. The depositions are private. As for the documents that Dominion has been collecting through the discovery process, Fox has previously asked the court to keep all collected materials private, claiming Dominion mis uh, mischaracteristic that what the documents show as actual malice. First Amendment experts and advocates have been closely watching the case, in part because Dominion's lengthy list of examples that Fox Network hosts repeatedly made false claims, even after the facts came to light. Such cases are often settled out of court or dismissed. You know, we're never going to hear how this is going to end in the end, probably. Okay. In all honesty, this would be a very fascinating case to hear how it all ends, because then we get to find out who's right at the end of the day. Fox News, Fox Business, or Dominion at the end of the day. You know, it'd also be interesting too with this whole situation is, I mean, we're not, we, this podcast is mostly just reporting the news as much as we can for Wall Street, but what happens if Fox is right? And honestly, what if Fox was right about the 2020 elections and that Dominion's machines weren't working? This is a question I have been thinking about since looking up this podcast a little bit, or at least looking up information for this podcast. What would happen then? Would uh, would Fox shares rise? Would they fall? It's hard to tell at the end of the day. But I do know this. I do expect other bigger personalities to cover this a little bit more in detail going forward. If you guys probably want, or I mean, not want, but I expect someone like Tim Pool to cover this in the future. Maybe others like Ben Shapiro or even uh, maybe Joe Rogan might as well. And uh, Steven Crowder probably will as well. Some big host will, whether it's on the left or right side of the political aisle, they'll cover this when the time comes and you'll hear their opinions. But at the end of the day, I don't think we're going to know what's really going to happen with this. This might be news that when it gets published, it's going to get buried. And we're only covering it right now because it's somehow going to affect Fox shares in some way, shape or form. That'd be another interesting fact too, is if this does get reported the second time around, what the lawsuit ends up becoming is how do Fox shares react at the end of the day? And that's an interesting thought to think about because who knows how it's going to be when it's all said and done. But we're covering it here because it's a fascinating case that in a way it seems like it's going to be free speech versus cable network and see who wins at the end of the day. See who did their investigation. That's the other thing too. If Fox is so confident that their investigation journalism was right, could they bury Dominion in the court? And then they can report it themselves, saying that they destroyed Dominion and they can prevent, uh, not prevent, they can show all the evidence that they had. That'd be really fascinating to see when the time comes. So we'll keep an eye out, but I kind of doubt we'll ever hear about this story going forward. Now let's jump into the tech sector. Tesla recalls 435,000 cars in China over rear light issues and will issue software updates. Okay. From CNBC, Tesla plans to recall more than 435,000 cars in China and issue software updates to fix a rear light issue, the Chinese market regulatory said Thursday. A total of 142,277 Model 3 sedans and 292,855 Model Y vehicles could be affected by the issue in which a software defect stops the rear lights on the car from illuminating, according to the China State Administration for Market Regulation. Technical issues are mounting for Tesla in China. The U.S. electric car maker announced a recall of more than 80,000 cars in China last week over seatbelt and software issues. 
China is one of Tesla's most important markets. The company has a major production factory in Shanghai and has been selling a record number of China-made cars in recent months. But Elon Musk automaker is also facing tougher competition from domestic rivals, including Warren Buffett-backed BYD and startups, including Xping, Neo, Lyo Auto. Yeah, Neo's no longer a startup at this point. I believe Neo's been around for at least the last couple of years. So whoever wrote this article, their journalism needs to improve a little bit, it seems like. At least do a little bit more research. Continuing on, it says, and in 2023, electric car makers are planning to release a slew of new vehicles. In October, Tesla cut the price of the Model 3 and Model Y vehicles in China after raising them earlier in the year on rising material costs. I looked into Warren Buffett's thing too, because I find it fascinating that Warren Buffett would invest in an electric car. And it's actually stated, it was back during the summer that he invested in that. I don't know how that slipped past us on this podcast, but it somehow did. There might've been other news we were covering that day. But he has invested in BYD. The difference is though, is that he's actually sold a lot of his stake in the company. And if you actually look at his portfolio holdings right now, he only has like a one point, it's either 1.3 or 1.6% of his portfolios in that company right now. Don't get me wrong. He still has a lot of shares in the company, but he has sold a lot of shares as well. And I wouldn't really call it a Buffett back stocked at this point. It's just Warren Buffett seeing a way to make money and being a, because Warren Buffett's good at that. He knows when a company's doing well because the man literally sits at his desk, most likely. I don't know how often all day, but he sits at his desk and he probably just reads financial reports all day. And that's how he figures out where he wants to invest. And he probably just sees a good opportunity. And so he took advantage of it. So, I mean, I love how they make it such a big deal where it's like, oh no, Warren Buffett's investing. How do we also know that it's not Warren Buffett? How do we also know it's not his successors at Berkshire Hathaway that have just decided, hey, we need to invest in this company? Because Warren Buffett... He hasn't been the biggest tech guru when it comes to technology. I mean, when he invested in Apple, that was a big deal. And then he's invested in other companies like IBM and all that as well. But at the end of the day, I just love that they're just like, oh, it's such a big deal. That's going to happen. It's just Warren Buffett and his company trying to make money at the end of the day. And like I've said, maybe it's not him who's making those moves. Maybe it was someone within his organization. So continuing on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. On with the tech sector and Elon Musk since there's more news to cover with Elon Musk. Okay, this is a fascinating article in the making because it has to deal with, it, it almost seems like a Futurama episode and I'll get into what that is in a second, but it says here, Elon Musk shows off updates to his brain chips and says, we're going to install one in himself when they are ready. Or he's going to install one in himself when he's ready. Wow, that's insane. Continuing on from the article from CNBC, Elon Musk health tech venture Neuralink shared updates to its brain implant technology during a show and tell recruitment event Wednesday night. Musk said that during the event that he plans to get one of the implants himself. Musk said the two companies' applications will aim to restore vision even for people who are born blind and a third application will focus on the motor cortex restoring full body functionality for people with severe spinal cords. We're confident there's no physical limitations to restoring full body functionality, Musk said. Neuralink could begin to test the, the motor cortex technology in humans in as soon as six, month, six months, Musk said. 
Obviously, we want to be extremely careful and certain that it will work well before putting a device in a human. But we're submitted, I think, most of our paperwork to the FDA, he said. Musk also said he plans to get one himself. Quote, you could have a Neuralink device implanted right now and you wouldn't even know. I mean, hypothetically. In fact, in one of those demos, I will, he said. He reiterated that on Twitter after the event. Since none of the Neuralink devices have been tested on humans or approved by the FDA, Wednesday's announcement warrants skepticism, said Zing Shen, assistant professor in the Department of uh, Orthopomology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Neuralink is a company that doesn't have to answer to shareholders, she told CNBC. I don't know how much oversight is involved, but I think it's very important for the public to always keep in mind that there, that before anything that has been approved by the FDA or the government regulated body, all claims need to be very, very skeptical, explained, examined. I mean, not explained, very skeptical, examined. Neuralink was founded in 2016 by Musk and a group of other scientists and engineers. It strives to develop brain-computer interfaces, or BCIs, that connect the human brain to computers that can decipher neural signals. Musk invested tens of millions of his own personal wealth into the company and has said without evidence that Neuralink's devices could enable superhuman cognition, enable paralyzed people to operate smartphones, or robotic limbs with new with their minds someday to solve autism and schizophrenia. The, ki- the company's presentation Wednesday echoed these lofty ambitions, as Musk claimed that the miraculous, as it sound- may sound, were confident that it is possible to restore full body functionality to someone who has severe spinal cord. Musk showed footage of the monkey with a computer chip and its skull playing te- telepathic video games with Neuralink's first debut over a year ago. The billionaire, who's also CEO of Tesla and, and SpaceX, and the new owner of Twitter said that at the time he wants to implant neurochip- neurochips into quadriplegics who have brain or spinal injuries so that they can control a computer mouse on their phones or really any device just by thinking. You know, Elon Musk is just a fascinating guy at the end of the day. He's constantly working, it seems like, and he's constantly building up these companies. And it's funny that these these scientists and the FDA, oh, I don't know how much the FDA is, I'm not fully agreeing with it, but it's funny how these scientists are like, oh, they, they don't have to answer their shareholders and is it unethical and this and that. I think if someone had a spinal injury, those people want hope at the end of the day. And at least someone's trying to get things back to order for some people. I mean, Elon Musk, he is a really, really smart man. And I don't even know if the guy even sleeps anymore. I'm going to I'm gonna find it funny the day that there's probably going to be memes out there one day that says Elon Musk is really a robot. It's kind of like how we said Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard man. Wouldn't it surprise me one day if it's like Elon Musk is a robot because he never sleeps. It's just fascinating what he can do. Like the man just never stops working. And he just, his brain must be going insane sometimes with some of the ideas he's having. Like, this isn't the first time. So if you look at the history of Elon Musk, okay, so he started a company and ended up selling a company to PayPal, if I'm not mistaken. And then he took the money that he made from selling that company to PayPal to buy out Tesla. And then he took some of that money to buy SpaceX. And now he's taking some of the money from Tesla to buy Twitter. The man kind of knows what he's doing. He's a, I, I wouldn't say he's like a true engineer. I mean, don't get me wrong. He probably is in some way, shape or form. Cause you have to understand coding when he sold a company to PayPal but he's like an engineer investor. He sees things that can change the world. And he's just like, forget it. I'm just going to invest in it and do it myself. Elon Musk is probably going to go down as one of the brightest men in history just for his vision and what he's trying to get done. And so it's just curious. It's just extremely curious to see just how he gets things done. Last, 
Last thing we'll we'll read here. It says Neuralink is not only is not is not only the company trying to innovate, but BCIs that may have been have made big strides in recent years. BlackRock Block BlackRock Neurotech is on track to bring BCI system to market next year. So that's interesting. That means they're competitors, which would make it the first commercially available BCI in history. Synchron received FDA approval in 2021 to begin a clinic trial for permanently implanted BCIs and paramedics is reported gearing up to begin inhuman testing in 2023. So these people's concerns are nothing because at the end of the day, it seems like things are getting approved. And when they do, don't be surprised if you start seeing videos on social media where it's like, we put the Neuralink in our dad and or mom or whatever it is, right? And this is the end results of what it's become. A lot, of, a lot of tears will be shedding soon, people. A lot of tears will be shedding soon just for these miracles that are happening. Continuing on, Meta is downsizing at New York location. It opened in 2019. Meta is scaling back its presence at a prime New York City location as its social media giant tries to reduce its cost to work through a slowing online ad market. The company said Wednesday it is subleasing a small portion of its facilities at 50 Hudson Yards, one of New York's largest commercial towers. Meta completed a lease with Hudson Yards in 2019 for more than 1.5 million square feet of office space, which included three Hudson Yard buildings. Bloomberg News earlier reported the Meta was reducing its footprint at Hudson Yards, resulting in the company giving back some office space at 30 and 55 Hudson Yards to the landlord-related COS. The report said Meta now leases over 250,000 square feet of space between two Hudson Yard towers. Quote, the past few years has brought new possibilities around the role of the office, and we're prioritizing making focused, balanced investments to support our more strategic long-term priorities that lead the way in creating the the workplace of the future. A Meta spokesperson told CNBC in an email, our aim is to build a best-in-class remote work experience to help everyone do the best work for their careers no matter where they are. The spokesperson said Meta is firmly committed to New York City as evidenced by the recent opening of the Farley Building at 50 Hudson Yards, which is estimated to open next year, further anchoring our local footprint. This is probably the reason why this news is being reported is because this is probably the first line of making job cuts at Meta at the end of the day. Remember, Meta did not report a good quarter. And we talked about it on this podcast that Meta didn't have a good good quarter. And I'd advise going to listen to that podcast again if you want to remember. At least I think we reported it. It's hard to remember every details we have. No, we, we, yeah, we did because Meta was going to, I mean, Meta was going to lay off about 11,000 workers and that was huge news at the time. So yeah, go listen to that. So we have talked about it. But this is just the beginning probably. I mean, they say they're going to stay, but there's probably going to be more cut costs coming. But whether it's in New York is another story. They might be heading to other places soon because they have to lay off. They say they're laying off 11,000 workers at this time. And so that's just one location. And there's probably going to be more news on other locations soon. But Meta is starting to make the cuts now. And probably one reason why they're giving up some of their square space in the building too, it sounds like, is because, well... Maybe they're trying to cut back on building expenses as well. And maybe they don't see the point of having two buildings. Maybe they're just going to transfer everyone from the from one building to the other. Maybe that's what they're planning to do. Then get rid of the building, get some cash, and be able to dump it into their metaverse projects that they're trying to do. Or dump it back into the company so there's at least some profitability in the company. So it's just weird. Well, not really weird. It's it's. I mean, it's happening. Meta's doing the layoffs, it looks like just in a more roundabout way, it looks like. 
Last thing we'll talk about in today's podcast. India may become the third largest economy by 2030, overtaking Japan and Germany. This is kind of interesting news to look into. CNBC, India is to overtake Japan and Germany to become the world's third largest economy, according to S&P Global and Morgan Stanley. S&P forecast is based on the projection that India's annual nominal gross domestic product growth will average 6.3% through 2030. Similarly, Morgan Stanley it estimates that India's GDP is likely to be more than double from current levels by 2031. India has the conditions in place for an economic boom fueled by offshoring investment in manufacturing, the energy transition, and the country's advanced digital infrastructure Morgan Stanley analysis led by Raidam De- Desai and I can't even pronounce this last guy's name, but they report in the report. These drivers will make India the world's third largest economic and stock market before the end of the decade. Wow. Third largest economy and stock market before the end of the decade. That'd be really interesting to see. India posted a year-over-year growth of 6.3% for July to September quarter, fractionally higher than the Rudder's poll forecast, a 6.2%. Prior to this, India recorded an expansion of 13.5% for the for the April to June compared to a year ago, buoyed by robust domestic demand in the country service sector. The country posted a record 20.1% year-over-year growth in the three months of June 2021, according to Refinitiv data. S&P projection hinges on the continuation of India's trade and financial liberation labor market reform, as well as investment in India's infrastructure and human capital. Quote, this is a reasonable expectation from... Uh, reasonable expectation... From India, which has a lot to catch up in terms of economic growth and per capita income. And economics from Australia, New Zealand banking group research told CNBC. Some of the reforms cited has already been set in motion, said NIM, highlighting the government's commitment to set aside more capital expenditures in the country's annual expeditionary books. A correction, expenditure books. Okay. Now, this is where things get interesting. There are some risk factors they're saying on here. It says some risk factors include supply of skilled labor, adverse geopolitical events, and policy errors, which may arise from voting in a weaker government. And then a global slowdown may dampen India's export business outlook, India's finance minister said last Thursday. Okay, Even though India's GDP is on an um, irrigate is already above pre-COVID levels, forward-looking growth is going to be much weaker compared to previous quarters. You know, this is, this is my thoughts on India, okay? We've, we've covered a lot of India stuff on this podcast, at least what's happening in the country of India. India, if I'm not mistaken, and this is one I, my mind is a little fuzzy on, but I remember reading, and I might have reported on a podcast here, that India was asking for chip makers to come to their country, like to make chips within India. I think if I remember correctly, that was an article we read because it was at the time when the chips bill and all that stuff was happening in the United States and India was, I think, saying they should make chips there. I believe I believe we've talked about this here. I do know for sure you have companies like Dairy Queen who are looking to expand their businesses to India as well. And then you have Apple who's reporting to move some of its manufacturing to India as well. Now, this is where things become... Not, I wouldn't say interesting, but I would say there's potential conflict in the making. Okay, With India becoming number three on the list, that means numbers one, two, and three, you have United States, India, well, correct, in the order, I guess, United States, China. China's not that far from the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have India at number three. 
What happens if India goes to number two? Or what happens if India becomes number one? It would be a very, very strange world to live in a little bit. Because that means three superpowers. That means there will be three superpowers in the making. China, India, and the United States. And they're going to be constantly fighting over who's controlling the market at the end of the day. I think India has the manpower. I really do believe that. They're like China in that regard with a big population. And obviously, like we just said, the risk of, of India could be weak government or skilled labor or adver adverse geopolitical events. But at the same time, if India does become a third power in the world and they surpass Japan and Germany, I do expect now a lot of these tech companies to move to India to start doing their manufacturing there, which also means there's a high probability that the people in India are going to be potentially getting out of poverty within the next couple generations. And honestly, there, there'll probably be st still some poverty as there's some poverty in parts of the world, but India will grow. Okay. And the only reason I think that is because you have a huge population. And I think they mentioned here in this article that they are pretty young across the country as well. If I'm not mistaken, it's like one of like the positive sides that they have. But at the same time, it seems like India, India is going to grow and they're going to become, they're going to become a superpower. And then you're going to hear articles going forward that it's like the United States, China and India are competing to for world dominance when it comes to the markets. What also worries about what worries me too is if you look at history, whenever there's a superpower that eventually gets taken over, at least, it, at least it seems this way, there's a chance for conflict to happen. Okay, and the fact that India and China are literally right next to each other. Okay, I mean right now India and China already have a border dispute happening right now, but if India ever does overtake China as the number two spot, or maybe they eventually overtake China takes over the United States, then they India passes the United States as number two, and the United States becomes number three. And then India decides, hey, we're going to pass China. What happens if India passes China at that point? There's a high probability that you could see conflict happen. Not saying it will happen, but I mean, this is what happens when there's a new superpower on the rise and there's, a, there's issues. This is what tends to happen, it seems like, in history at least. I mean, Germany was on the rise right before World War I. Germany was like producing a lot of steel in their country and then World War I happened. And they, at the same time, if I remember correctly, before World War I, Germany was like building up its military. And that's something that probably would have to be looked at a little bit more. Is as India grows to become the number three spot in the making, what do they do with their military at the end of the day? If their military starts to grow, then you could potentially see some conflict should they pass and become more powerful, right? But at the end of the day, it boils down to this. If India does become number three in the world, you can almost expect a lot of these companies will start moving to India, tech companies in particular, to manufacture things. Okay, I personally wouldn't be surprised within the next few years of Apple, like 50% of Apple's manufacturing comes from India and the other 50% comes from China. So they'll split it between China and India. I mean, there's already been issues in China currently right now with protests happening and the zero COVID policy and things can't get back to normal and People believe that Apple is going to be struggling next quarter when it comes to their iPhone sales due to what's happening. But then again, they also had that same concern too last quarter and Apple did really, really well somehow. 
So it's really hard to believe what's going to happen. But I do think at the end of the day, a lot of these tech companies are going to start moving to India. And that's going to be a huge boom for India's economy. And you can almost expect within the next few years that India is going to have a lot of wealthy people come from that country at the end of the day. And there's going to be a lot of growth for India in the making. This is why these companies seem to be moving there right now. And I mean, congratulations, India. You might have a really, really bright future in the making. But it also might come at a cost. And that cost might not be seen until much further down the road. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. If you like a subscription helps grow this podcast, so we'll be able to keep talking about these news events that are happening on Wall Street that Wall Street isn't willing or have the time to be able to talk about. Please also continue to share with friends and family as your support is helping grow this podcast. We'll be able to keep reporting the news as much as we can to get people to know what's happening out there. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.